0: God loves you. And I think in those few words, such profound truth, such life-changing truth. I appreciate that song and just a a great reminder. Just uh, the amazing thing about the love of God is that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, uh, it's unchanged. It's, uh, It's unconditional. And we have a God who's, who is love. And so that's an amazing truth there in song. Just, um, just before the, the service tonight, just got news of a, a fellow that, um, that uh, we know, uh, probably many of us know. Um, and uh, their, their family was part of our church for, for quite a while, uh, Eldwin Ciriaco, uh, he just was, uh He's been diagnosed with leukemia at quite a late stage. And so, he's 27 years old. And so, um, Brother EJ was able to see him this afternoon, heard heard about him, and was able to visit with him this afternoon. But um, they've given him, they said, about two weeks, um, and he's going to have to go through some uh, some chemotherapy to, to perhaps ex- extend his life. But, um, so pray for him. I mentioned that so that we could pray for him as a church. Some of you are know him, grew up with him, and um, are friends with him, and you know their family uh, well, and so I hope that you'd pray for them, just thinking about him, his extended family, his parents, and what they must be going through. And the amazing thing, uh, uh, EJ was just telling me that he just was in a in a great spirit. He, he was just, and you know, it really comes with that song, he just knows God loves him. And um, it's amazing, isn't it? As, as Christians that we can go through the most most difficult life threatening circumstances and we can have peace and we can have joy, we could have all of that because we have Christ. And that's an amazing thing. And you know it it really really can um, you know when we hear of, of others and uh, perhaps we go through it ourselves, it really puts life in perspective and, and what is most important. And so let's be praying for him, church, if you, if you could put him down in your, your prayer list there, and um, I know that the, the family will uh, be appreciative and, and uh, ho- hoping to visit him uh, early this week, perhaps tomorrow, and um, just uh, just pray with him. But let's turn our Bibles to First uh, Timothy uh, this evening, and we'll continue on here with the next few verses of the chapter. So First Timothy chapter 2, last week we covered... I believe uh, right up to uh, verse uh, verse four, and we'll get, we'll continue on. But let's begin reading right at the top, verse one, and then we'll we'll just we'll just review a little bit. And uh, the Bible says in verse one, "I exhort therefore that first of all, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men." For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. And then verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight. We just want to thank you, dear Lord, that indeed, as you've commanded us to to pray, that we do have that um, ability, Lord, uh, to call unto you and uh, to raise up our petitions to you, uh, Lord, to to surrender ourselves before you and align our our hearts and our will uh, to your uh, your desire and your will for us. And, and yet, Father, you still you said in your word that we ought to make our requests made known to you. And so thank you, Father, that we have that, um, Lord, just that that opportunity, that privilege to come before you, to speak to you, Lord, as, a, as your children to to our Heavenly Father. And, and Father, tonight we just want to come and ask that you please enable us to learn from your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, dear God, that we have, Lord, just the, the great joy of being able to open it, for it to comfort us, for it to instruct us, uh, for it, Lord, to to help us to know you in a greater way and so I pray father that you'd help in that in that sense lord tonight and Lord we do want to pray for for Eldwin and uh, Lord I just ask that you would please be with him pray for healing I pray dear God that you would would uh, comfort him and comfort his family and father we just um uh, lord I don't think any of us can really understand lord just the the situation he finds himself in but we know that you know, and we know that Lord, you're able, and so we pray in faith, believing, Lord, and pray that you just would bless our time together. Ask that you would just, Lord, work in us and through us, and we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name, Amen. So we start here in 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 um in chapter two. We started last week speaking about how in the next couple of chapters, the uh, uh, the apostle Paul was just going to lay out. It's just some instruction now directly to the church, whereas before he was, he was really directing the, uh, the letter uh, firstly to Timothy and, and giving him instruction. But now he's going he's to transition and, and give the instruction uh, to the whole church. And these are some of the practical outworkings of faith. Uh, whereas the challenge in chapter 1 was to, uh, to teach sound doctrine, this was now how, how we ought to live and how, we ought to, um, how, to, how the outflow of that sound doctrine ought to look like. And it's interesting there that, that he begins this chapter of instruction to the whole church where he exhorts, and, and he exhorts them that first of all. And, and so we started with just the thought of this, that the, the priority of prayer. And it's interesting again that, that under the inspiration of, of the Holy Ghost given to us here in the, the perfect Word of God, God's instruction first of all was that we would come to prayer is that we would come and, and we, we looked at those, uh, those, uh, those words that describe prayer, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and then giving of thanks. And then we noted there that the beneficiary of, the, of the, our prayers. And it says there for all men, that all of those be made for all men. And that we don't just pick and choose who we pray for, that, that God would say that, we would, that all of these things be made for all men. And then we, we see in verse 2, he, he specifies there, he says, uh, especially for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And and there we see that, that we have some motivations of prayer. That, that if we would pray and we would seek the Lord and we would be faithful to, to do that, that thing that is priority in our lives to to pray for all men, that the result of that, that our motivation to uh, the, the result of that would be that we would live the good life. Uh, that we can live in godliness and all honesty, a peaceable and quiet life. And so, uh, so we see that. And then we see that in, in verse 3, God is pleased. Why? Because then the gospel can be proclaimed in verse 4. And, and, and really the end point of this is that we would pray for all men to be saved. That they would be saved. And we spoke about the fact that we have those around us all the time those who we see, those who we will never see, we will never meet, that we ought to be uh, exor- uh, in, interceding on their behalf and crying out to God that they would have an opportunity, uh, that there would be someone sent their way, perhaps even us, to go and see those people saved through the gospel message. And, and we see the gospel proclaimed is, is a great motivation. And by the way, church, you know, we could we could rally around different causes. We could uh, We could look at the situation that, we find in our government and all of those different things, that uh, different bills that could really, uh, really uh, alter the course and even alter our freedom to be able to worship. But nothing, nothing, nothing will change this nation and in fact any other nation around the world except for the message of the gospel. If we really hope to continue to see great freedom and liberty and, and for us to have a peaceable and quiet life, uh, the reason why we ought to pray for those all men is that they would be saved because it's the gospel that changes lives. It's the gospel that that changes communities. It's the gospel that changes a nation. And and, and that's why we pray, all right? And He gives us some good motivators as far as as why we ought to pray and the result of our prayer for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. And so I'd I'd hope to to think that that's that's great motivation for us to continue. I hope we, we, we recognize that that God in His grace has given us a space of grace to continue to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That, that we have that, that we would continue to, uh, to, be, uh, to prioritize that prayer for all men, that we would make supplication, that we would make prayers, that we would make intercession, and that we would uh, give thanks. That all of those elements and descriptors of, of our prayer be made for all men so that we would see that continue on. I hope that motivates us, but then he continues the thought here in verse, um, verse five, where he says, "For there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus." And and why is it that we can come to prayer in the first place? Because uh, we, we see here that he 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 brings our thought again in the middle of of uh, this exhortation to pray to the mediator of our prayers, the one who has allowed us uh, access to. To, uh, to the Heavenly Father. And we see here, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And we see the mediator of our prayers. A uh, mediator is an intercessor. He, he's a peacemaker. He's an intermediary. He's a middle man that, that brought two um, opposing parties together. Uh, he's the one that, that was able to bridge the gap between us and God. And it's this this... A one whom we call Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And if we see here that, that in, in all of it, that uh, we, can come to, uh, we can come to God in prayer because we have a mediator with Him. We have one who bridged the gap. Uh, th- remember when we started to, to talk about just that definition of, of interceding, of intercessory prayer, the reason why we must intercede on some people's behalves is because they can't do it themselves. They, they can't, they, they can't uh, go to God. We can go to Him. And so therefore, we can go on, the, on their behalf. And so we see there, though, that the reason why we can have that access is because we have one who is our mediator. And, and notice there that He says, uh, for there is one God who is the one mediator. And we understand that there is only one God. There's only one true God. Whilst there's, there's those who would pray to uh, other... Uh, other Uh, so-called gods, little G-gods of this world, and they would pray uh, towards certain places, certain geographical places all around the world, and they would pray to tombs that are are filled with their uh, so-called Savior and so-called deity, uh, that we understand that when we pray, we pray to the one true God. We pray to the one, the Almighty One, who actually has not only the ability to hear our prayers, but has the ability to answer our prayers who hears us, who cares for us, who in our time of great trouble, who in our times of rejoicing, who in our times when we're, when we're just concerned for our neighbors, when we're concerned for the, uh, those lost around us, when we're concerned for ourselves and we need guidance, not only can he hear our prayers, he's able to answer them. He's the one true God. And in fact, again and again, the Bible tells us that, that we have the one true God. And in, in Mark 12, 32, and the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but He. You see, when we're considering the, the fact that we ought to pray, it ought to fill us with great hope and great confidence. Why? Because we're praying to the one true God. We're praying to Him. And this means that, that prayer really cannot be made through other persons, uh, through through. Uh, other intermediaries, to other mediators. No, it's only through Him. And when we pray as a church, we have access through to God. And that's an amazing thing. And and so we see there the mediator of our prayers, the one true God. And notice there in verse 5, and one mediator between God and men. And I want to bring this point that we only have communications to God really because of what Christ did for us. Uh, Because of the fact that he was a mediator, that he was willing to bridge that gap. And he says, uh, and the man, Christ Jesus. In verse 6, he says, says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so uh, we see that we can only have communication to God because of what Christ did for us. Uh, Notice with me in Hebrews chapter 4. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. and We'll turn to a couple of scriptures tonight. Hebrews chapter 4. And notice verses 14 to 16. Here speaking about Christ, seeing then that we have a a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then verse 16, let us therefore because of that because of the fact that we have the one who who died for us, the one who became a great high priest, the one who who, uh, understands what it's like to go through the the daily sufferings and the daily uh, humanity that we all face. Because of that fact, then we can do this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we can come because we have this our mediator, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who opened up communications to God because of what He did. And uh, remember that we come boldly through Christ's merit, not our own. We come because of Him. We come because of what He did for us. And he, the Bible's careful to tell us there in First Timothy chapter two verse six that He uh, He gave Himself a ransom, a payment for all, to be testified in due time. He gave Himself a ransom for all. And, and so uh, the, the fact is when we, when we pray that all men would be saved, then really we're praying for in God's will there, Because He gave Himself for all. Uh, there, there, there wasn't a limited few that He died for. No, He died for all. Church, is that, is that right tonight? He died for all. And so we, we, we understand that He was a ransom for all, and in fact, the, the Bible tells us that He came to, to be a minister, that He might be a ransom for all. In Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 45, we, we note in Hebrews chapter 9, if you turn there, you're in Hebrews 4, uh, 4 earlier, look at Hebrews chapter 9, and notice verses 21 to 28. And again, that, that picture of the Old Testament where, where the high priest would come and and sprinkle uh, the blood of the the sacrifice. He says in verse 21, Moreover, He sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and, and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places, made with hands, which are the figures of the true. And what he was saying there was all of that was a picture of, of what was to be in heaven, but into, into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that He should offer Himself often as a high priest enters into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so he's saying that he didn't have to continually do that. No, he went once and he offered himself and he, he sprinkled his blood. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? And so he gave us access to God. He gave us access to be able to pray to him. He was a mediator, a ransom for all, and he did so willingly. And so we, we have that opportunity and that privilege to come to God with boldness. We don't come bargaining with God. You understand? We don't have to go in and bargaining with God, like we have to gain merit and favor. No, no, we're already beloved. We're already in the beloved. We, we can go with courage to a heavenly Father who's already been appeased and satisfied by the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we see that we can only have communication to God because of what Christ did for us. In Romans 5.11, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received. we received at the atonement. And so we see that there, that we can only have communication, that we can pray not on our own merit, but because of Christ's merit, because of what He has done for us. But then note here in verse 7, Paul then changes a little bit of track, and he begins, he, just, he sort of puts this aside, what he was about. And he says here in verse 7, Whereunto? So, because of this, because of the fact there's one God, one mediator between God and men, and that his desire is that all men will be saved, he says, Whereunto? For this thing, for this thing, he says, I am ordained or or chosen a preacher and an apostle. He says, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. He's a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. And so, because of these things that are true, Um, There needed to be him who who came, and and Paul, who was appointed in due course uh, to be the apostle to the Gentiles, to to be able to give the mysteries of godliness, the mysteries of the gospel. He was able to come now, and and he was a testifier of what what Christ has done. And and here's the point, as we think about it in in regard to prayer. You know, we, we already mentioned that we ought to pray for those to be saved, but But there needs to be uh, also a corresponding action to that. Not only are we to communicate to God about the saving of men, but we are to to communicate to others about Christ. So he says that who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Then he says, whereunto I am ordained, a preacher. And so because of these things, he's able to, to communicate Christ. And we're not only to communicate to Christ for uh, about men and about their lost state. We are to communicate to men about their need for Christ, and and here he specifically Paul was called to do that. He says to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, and so he's he's to Paul because of the fact that he has Christ as his mediator. He was given the task, he was set apart to be a preacher of the gospel and a teacher of truth to the Gentiles. Notice he says there, he, he was to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. And so we, so we are to also communicate Christ. And, and when we have communication with Christ, we are then to communicate Christ. You know, as part of Paul's calling as a gospel preacher... He was also to be a gospel witness. He was specifically also to be a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So those two words define faith. Here is the body of truth to be believed in. But then also verity is the moral truth, the application of faith. And so he says that in all of this, whereunto I am ordained a preacher. But then notice verse 8 as we close off tonight. Notice he says there, because of all these things, he says, I will therefore, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so really this was a, a, a double, it was a re-emphasis of the importance to pra- of prayer. He's saying because of all of these things that I've just shown you, because of the fact that, that we are called to pray, that we have to, uh, we have to prioritize it first of all, prayer and that there will be those who will be the beneficiaries of prayer, that, they, that made for all men, for kings and for all their authority, that because of that there will be results, there will be those things that ought to motivate us to pray, that we may lead a, a peaceable, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Uh, because it's good that, that we desire that all men should be saved, because of all these things, He says, I will therefore, and He's emphasizing here, I will therefore, that men pray. And, and listen, you know, sometimes we, we, we treat prayer, we treat prayer in a sense like it's an escape clause. Like if we're really desperate, we will pray. But, but he's saying here that, this, that prayer is so important. He, he's, he's making a, a double emphasis here. He's saying, I will therefore because of all of these arguments about uh, that I've given you uh, all of these commands all of these imperatives to pray I will therefore that you respond in the affirmative that you will pray it says I will therefore that men pray A- and Paul here underscores the importance of prayer he, he's saying that because of the importance that that I've uh, the, of because of the emphasis that I've given here that first of all we do this then I would Therefore, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. And he's saying that because of the, the, this emphasis, this was, would be the best thing that men ought to do. And, and you know, part of, part of God's, uh, God's expectation of us, and, and I think he singles out the men here, because in verse 9 he's going to say, in like manner also that women. So he's not just saying this as a, as a general sense, all, all mankind. He's singling, uh, he's single, singling out for us men here, that one of the characteristics that he ought to see about us as men is that we would be men of prayer. That, that whilst we can be men of action, that whilst we can be men who will be doers, that men who will be decisive, men who would go and do the work and carry the brunt of the work of the gospel, that we ought to be, we ought to be men of prayer. That that prayer is the thing that He's looking for in our lives. And and we see this in in Luke 18. Turn to Luke 18. Please just turn there. Luke 18. And and notice here a, a, a parable. He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray, and not to faint. So he's saying that, that you men not always to pray and not to faint. And so when we're spiritually fainting or weak, then then it's because we're not praying. And then he goes on, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And so he's teaching a lesson on prayer. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? So he's saying there that, you know, My own, don't you think I will hear them as they cry out? As they come to prayer? And then he says in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You know what what should be a marker of of faith on the earth is? Is men who are praying. Because at the end, he's looking for faith on the earth. But in the beginning, he's saying, Men ought always to pray. And so what He's equating faith here, or how faith should be expressed around those of His, is this, that we ought to be people of prayer. And He's saying, shall, shall the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Shall He find it? And it's a, it's a, it's a question He's asking. And it's a question that He continually asks Says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Uh, He's saying here that that men ought always to pray and not to faint. It's it's an expression of our faith, is is our prayer life and our faithfulness to pray. That it it ought to be part and parcel, it ought to be part of the fabric of who we are. As people, and particularly as we think about it as men, is that we ought to be men of prayer. And I want you to note a couple of things here about about this. He says there in verse eight, uh, Second Tim, uh, sorry, First Timothy chapter two. And notice verse eight: I will therefore that men pray everywhere. And notice the proximity of, of this prayer. He says, everywhere. It's not just in the church house. Uh, it's not just in your prayer closet, so to speak. It's not just when it's, uh, when it's convenient. It's not just, he says, he's saying everywhere. He's saying your locality really doesn't matter. You just need to be people of prayer. And, and whether you're, you're, uh, we're, we're living in the darkest jungles of anywhere, or here right here in Australia, you know what he's desiring he's meant to be? He's desiring he's meant to be people of prayer, men of prayer. And, and we, we, need to, we need to understand his desire is everywhere. He's saying to the men to pray wherever they are, in the home, in the church, in the workplace, at leisure, when convenient, when inconvenient. He says you can pray anywhere and you ought to pray everywhere. And so we see the proximity there. Notice, secondly, we see the praise. He says that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Lifting it up. That this, this idea of lifting up holy hands was an act of worship. It was also a show of holiness and dependence. Like, I can bring nothing to you. I bring nothing to you. I need you. It was an act of dependence. It was praise. And he's saying in, in Psalm 134, verse 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And, and, and we, ought to, we ought to understand that praise is part of our prayer. That we ought to have times where we're like the the, um, the nation of Israel when, when they came out of that captivity of, in Egypt, they came out with, with hands lifted up just with joy and praise for all God has done. And, and you know, sometimes we, we can... Uh, we can allow the, the negativity of that in other, in other places of, uh, other, uh, other parts of Christendom, uh, the, the Pentecostal and the charismatic and the overemphasis of that, and we forget that's biblical to do at times, to praise with a high hand, lifting up holy hands to show our emptiness and our need for Him, Our absolute praise for Him. and We understand that that praise is a big part of our prayer life. And it's not just simply request, request, request. That it's the giving of thanks as well. Like we saw in verse 1. And He's saying to the men. He's saying here that the proximity is this everywhere. But, But praise needs to be involved. Praise needs to be a major part. And notice then he goes, he goes there without wrath and doubting. And so the, the posture or the position of our hearts in prayer is without wrath and doubting. And here wrath is vehement anger. And here's, here's what he's saying. We pray without anger in our hearts. You know, sometimes we just pray angry. We're just angry at the... We're just angry at those who are in, in authority. We're angry at our government. But he's saying without wrath, without anger. We pray with that anger in our hearts. And, and you know, sometimes we pray as if to revenge. As if, as if we are the ones who it's up to us whom, whom God reaps vengeance on. We pray angry, and he's saying without anger, but then also without doubting. And doubting is a lack of believing. And I want to just say we pray in a position of faith. We ought to pray in faith, believing. We don't, we don't pray empty rote, you understand. We don't pray empty creeds. That's why we don't, it's, we don't just repeat prayer, you understand. That's, that's why prayer ought to be from the heart. It's faith-based. It's not just because we have to. No, because we need to. And because we, we can have faith in an almighty God. And In James 1, to 5-6, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And he's saying, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Don't waver in that. Don't, have faith. You know, th- that's why um, if, if it hasn't... Um, if we're praying for something that we know is in the will of God and we're just continually desiring it, He's saying, pray in faith, just continue. Just continue on with that. Don't, don't give up hope, but you understand who God is. And prayer should be done in faith. And again, it's important for us to note that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So why do we pray without faith? Why do we pray like, like we just do it repetitively? Empty, vain, unbelieving. And yet God's telling us without doubting. And, and I don't know, I don't know what, what God has called you to pray about. I don't know what it is that, that is, is so, so within your heart that you're just, it's just every time you pray for it, it breaks. You just can't help it, but you're heartbroken about that. Maybe, maybe it's an area of the world. Maybe it's a, a loved one that's wayward. Maybe it's someone who's ill like we, we mentioned tonight. It's something that, that you're, you're just broken for. I want to encourage you to pray with faith. Pray believing. Without wrath, without doubting. And, you know, sometimes we forget that when we pray, we're praying to the one true God who's the mediator. He's already proven His love. He's already given Himself a ransom for all. In fact, we can only have access to God because of our Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray in His name. We pray in His power. We pray in His his ability. We pray in His righteousness. And we pray with faith, believing. It's it's impossible to please Him without faith. So we must in our prayer have faith. And, And so we see here, his, his final exhortation about prayer, says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you once again for, Lord, allowing us to, uh, Lord, to be here tonight. Father, there could, be, could have been a myriad of, of things that could have hindered us this evening. And yet, Lord, you, you allowed us in your grace to be here. And thank you, Lord, that that we do live in a nation where we do have great freedom and liberty to be able to come and worship and come and, and glorify you and sing praises to you, to pray out loud in public, even in our own parliament houses all around the states and and, and even in the, the federal government, the capital. Thank you that, Lord, we do have, uh, Lord, a quiet and peaceable life that we can live for you, that we have opportunities each day to be able to share the gospel, to be free from, uh, from that kind of uh, governmental persecution. Or the only fear we have is that those whom we share it with ridicule us. And Father, yet in all of that, Lord, you desire for us to be people of prayer, uh, that first of all, we would make supplication prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks for all men. And then, Father, that as men, Lord, specifically, that we would be men of prayer, that we would be men who would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath, without doubting. And so I pray that you'd help us to be that, Lord, and help us, Lord, to to make sure that each day uh, we would take the time, Lord, just to Come to you and not take for granted the, the, the ability that we have to come boldly before your throne of grace. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd, you'd oh Lord, break our hearts for those needs of others, Lord. Lord, for those who can't come to you, Lord, they, they're, they're perhaps suffering and clamoring through life, just not knowing. If there's a God in heaven who loves them. And Lord, help us, Lord, to be broken about that. And I pray that you just help us as we head into the week uh, to honor You, Lord, to praise You, to give thanks. And, Father, that You might be pleased. And so we thank You, Father, again, in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.